Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. On today's Upfront, I'm joined by a legend of England women's football who recently called time on a storied 19-year career from winning the UEFA Cup and the quadruple with Arsenal to playing at London 2012 with Great Britain. Anita Asante has done it all. And today we've got the pleasure of speaking to her all about it. Welcome to the Upfront Studios, Neats. We're very honoured to have you in the booth with us. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. Glad to be here. Last time we saw each other was post-FA Cup, a little bit of partying. How are you feeling after that? Did you enjoy the night? <laughs> yeah, it was a fantastic night. Obviously, Chelsea won my previous club and, you know, they deserve to celebrate and celebrate in style. And it's just nice to be able to, to join them and congratulate all the girls as well. So we've got a bit of a special episode today, I guess. Not really our traditional format, but basically I get to grill you on <laughs> what, what has been an illustrious career and, you know, undeniable impact as well that you've had both on and off the pitch. Um, I want to start, obviously, right from how you got into football, you know, finish with your thoughts on maybe the upcoming Euros. But first off, the season is officially over. Yeah. You're officially retired. How does it feel? <laughs> Has it settled in yet? I know, I'm getting this, this question a lot. And it's like, I'm retired, but I don't feel retired yet. Um, just because, obviously, it's the end of the season and everyone's uh, going off on the holidays and everything like that. But I think once they're back into their off-season training and going into pre-season, it will really hit me that I'm not suiting up. I'm not training for a particular goal anymore um, and that I am retired. But, you know, I'm really looking forward to this next phase of my life, to be honest, and getting into new things and um, being able to really reflect on my career and everything I've done on the pitch. And I really just hope that I can have as much of an influence off it as well. Yeah, I'm, sh I'm sure you will. I mean, there were some lovely send-offs when you did announce your retirement, obviously from the league as a whole, but also from some of your former clubs, both Chelsea and Arsenal um, marked the occasion. What was that like? Did you expect that? Honestly, no. And you can never really prepare for the day that you stop playing in your mind or what it will look like and how it will be. But it just surpassed all expectations. You know, the guard of honour at Arsenal was just incredible. Stirred so many emotions uh, within me as well. But it was, you know, a lovely presentation they had for me in the letter from the CEO and everything. Um, and obviously I got some lovely flowers from Chelsea and a, and a card from everyone there. Um, and, and Villa put on a, a, another really amazing showpiece at our final game of the season. So just it was so overwhelming, all the uh, impressions from everyone and uh, lovely messages flooding in and my family being there and getting to watch, you know, they've watched my journey from the very beginning to this moment. Um, but it was incredible. And honestly, it's 
it's going to be a memory that lives with me forever. So it's, it was amazing. Yeah, it was really lovely to see. And it says a lot when you see kind of the women's football world on social media light up a better player. It really shows the impact that you had. And, and you've spoken as well about having control over that situation. It was really nice for you to actually have a couple of games to enjoy that and experience it. Yeah, definitely. And just to take it all in and, and, and be present, you know, and, and be in that moment. Um, lots of players don't always get the opportunity to end the career as they wish, you know, the other circumstances or obstacles that come in the way, uh, sometimes as an athlete. And I've just been very fortunate. I feel that I've been able to end the career, my career in the way that I've wanted playing, you know, for a club and, and trying to spur them forward as well with um, sharing my own knowledge and experiences um, and just end it on my own terms and really be able to just thank all the supporters and everyone that's been behind me and the women's game um, over the course of my time of playing. So that's the end of your career. Let's go back to the very start. How did you get into football? What made you fall in love with the game? Well, I, I think I just always loved kicking things around in the house, probably much to my mum's annoyance, like socks, you know, toilet roll, whatever I could find. Um, and then luckily I lived in an area that was very much a sort of community, you know. I could go out and there were always kids I could play with of all different ages, across gender, everything. Um, and that's where my passion for it just kept growing, On uh, honestly, to be part of something where I could just express myself and run around and let off some steam and some energy. Um, and then, you know, playing in school, uh, I'd play in the playtimes, you know, I was like the only girl at the time playing in my school playtime and everyone looking at me like, what's she doing? <laughs> in you know your uniform um but it didn't bother me it just always felt like the space that I belonged in and I felt most comfortable in um and I just had people along the way that really believed in me and, and pushed me to to really follow that path you know and I I've mentioned my head of PE in the past but you know she was just so impactful in the early parts of my career by just telling me like go for it you know you should believe in yourself more um, so I'm like forever grateful for her as well because I didn't see the women's game. It wasn't available in the way that it is today. It wasn't on TV. It wasn't like you could go every weekend and just watch it. So um, to to be part of that time where I, I got involved was um, a really kind of a lucky thing as well. It is lovely to hear in pe within people's stories those those unique people, those inspirational people that were the ones that kind of pushed you along the way. Um, it's always nice to hear that. But how then, Arsenal was what, the first club you played with then? How did you make that transition? Yeah, so like I said before, I was playing at school and um, I got a fax <laughs> in those days, a fax to school <laughs> saying, you know, show up at your local uh, tryouts for Arsenal. So I went down and um, Rachel Yankee was taking one of the sessions with Claire Wheatley. Um, and it's playing with kids of all sort of ages uh, and they, they just picked me out and was like, oh, you know, we'd love for you to come to the Centre of Excellence in Hackney and train with our teams and, and see how you get on and hopefully uh, we'll take it from there. And that's really how it began. Wow. And fast forward a little bit, you know, one big moment with that Arsenal squad that we have to touch on is winning the quadruple um, with Arsenal in 2007. You were just 22. Is yeah. that right? Um, God, I mean, how do you even sum that up? You're you're one of a few rare players who come from an English squad that's actually won the Champions League. <laughs> was that? Do you feel that was a bit of a, a foundation to your success? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, when I joined Arsenal and I got into the senior ranks, 
I knew that this was a club that had won a lot already. You know, we had predecessors who had already built this legacy and we were just coming to look after the jersey. That's the feeling, you know. And I just didn't want to, I wanted to be part of that. I wanted to keep on winning things with this amazing club that had given me this opportunity. So to go on and win the quadruple, I think upon reflection with at the time that we did it, where the game wasn't professional, we're training twice a week, you're playing domestically for cups and the Champions League, I think was a massive uh, achievement for, for us all as players, but for the club. And one that I just think none of us are really going to be able to understand what we did. I don't think, you know, it was a, an amazing achievement for the time and a fantastic thing to be part of, but mostly because of the group of players and the, the staff behind it. You know, we had Vic Akers, our manager, you know, who always believed in our team and always gave us a way to play. Mm. Um, but the, the belief I think we had within the team and the belief and confidence we gave each other wouldn't have happened if we didn't have certain leaders as well in the, in the group. And your memories of that final, um, you were up, up against some pretty big names at the time, right? Wasn't Marta leading their line? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what are the memories from that? Yeah, I mean, you know, my memories, my earliest memory is just, you know, when you saw that squad list of those players for Umeo, you were just like, oh my God, like, you know, I've got to go up against, I got to stop Marta basically from playing at her best. You had, um, at the time, Ramona Backman, who was like the teenage prodigy coming in. Um, Hannah Jumberg, who was this prolific striker for a club and her country, Sweden. And I just thought, wow, they just uh, they just got so much stardust in this team. Um, and we have to go out and believe that we can stop them, you know. And this is our first experience of being in a final. But I, at the end of the day, I think when we played them away and Alex scored that unbelievable goal... I think that was the shift in us. That was like the real sense of we can do this, guys. You know, we 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 can do this. We've we know how to suffer under pressure and have the onslaught of attacks and things like that. Um, and you need that. You need that grit, that determination, and and a bit of that belief. And at home in Bournemouth, in front of our home fans, such an amazing atmosphere. It was sold out. You could really feel the energy. I think it really helped us get over the line. And 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 obviously at the end of it, um, win and be successful. Such an incredible journey to hear, like what that team went on and in that season. Um, Marta, is she one of the toughest forwards you've ever come up against or, or who would be up there? <laughs> no, uh, definitely Marta is is definitely up there. Um, I've been very fortunate to play a lot against a lot of world-class players and, and play with them. But the thing about Marta, you know, when I got to train with her as well is the intensity at which she applies herself, um, you know, and, and how brave she is 1v1. You know, she trusts her ability. She wants to lead the charge. You know, she wants to make things happen and create things. And and that's what makes her so tough to play against because she can do things that no one thinks about doing. Um, so, you know, I put her up in that category. Obviously, I put Kelly Smith in that category. You know, one of the best players I've ever played with. Um, just a phenomenal talent you know her ability I think her finesse on the ball you know she's, yeah. she can assist she can score goals but it's 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 the elegance at which she plays as well I think that makes it fun to watch um but honestly I could reel off a list of different players and you know 
um, Heather O'Reilly and Abby Wambach and Sawa, uh, you know, Tobin Heath, a number of players up there who have who have all um, been part of my journey at some stage that I think, wow, you know, you know, I got to train against them uh, or play against them. And I think playing against those types of players just make you better, you know, individually. And it's helped me in my career to, to be better in, in the moments that matter as well. Well, I was going to ask you that later on, but you have played in, in different countries throughout your career because we'll go on to this. You, you moved over to America then. You then ended up in Sweden. You came back to, to England. How did that shape your playing style? Because it must have added to your intelligence on the pitch in that you knew how to play different styles of football, especially when we started to see more international players come into the WSL. Yeah, for sure. I think um, obviously having grown up with Arsenal, I got to experience that generation of kind of the Wenger methodology, you know, which Vic really largely applied as well, possession oriented. You know, um, I think I was more of a ball playing centre back, trying to play out from the back rather than very direct, you know, long balls. And that was part of my game. And then going to America was kind of a blend of playing that way, but bringing more intensity to my game in terms of defending because it is such an athletic league yeah. and so combative. Um, and you had to be really good to compete 1v1. And I think that's where I got to sort of adapt and add to my game and realise, you know, you need the other part as well, you know, that kind of dark hearts part of being a defender. So um, that definitely aided my development. And then, and also my confidence, like being around winners, being around Americans who'd played in World Cups and Olympics and their mentality. It's different, isn't it? Their confidence is just a different level. Yeah, because... I think they 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 taught me that you know bringing out your confidence or your belief uh, outwardly as well you know through body language your communication you you can trick yourself into doing things that you never thought you could do you know and and I think that's an important skill to have and from a psychological perspective and how you can add to your game even when you maybe don't feel that you're at your best um but yeah that massively shaped me from a leadership perspective as well uh, and then going to Sweden, you know, training was a lot more structured um, in terms of team organisation and, and, and in and out of possession and, and the quality of which you do certain actions. So it forced me to think about uh, details a bit more mm. again. Um, you know, why I'm doing this, how I'm doing this, how am I helping my teammate with this pass or this communication and, and that type of thing. So I've really picked up lots of things in, from every um, experience um, but mostly in Sweden as well just to to just you know embrace people as they are and their personalities and try to understand the best way to get the best out of everyone in a, in a group setting. So is that kind of like player management as well it's more than just what you do on the pitch but who you are as a, a person and a player? Absolutely you know it's a, having that holi- holistic view of of, of yourself the mm-hmm. game um, the team and individuals within it um, and recognising that we are more than just our club. You know, we had this kind of impact within our community and we did a lot of things within the community um, by, you know, marching at Pride or against different marches, you know, was was important because our supporters are those people. They live those lives and they also live those issues, you know. So if we could connect to, with them at any level, um, that's how we try to do it, and um, it made me realise I'm I can be more than just a footballer too. I can use 
my platform to shed light on those issues as well and 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 also hopefully give others a voice that don't have a voice too. I do want to talk to you about um the kind of impact you've had off the pitch, but I want to just come back to post-Arsenal. I know you, you were at Chelsea for a little bit, but you did move over to America, which in itself was a big move, um, mm. moving away, different country. And yeah. it, it wasn't easy at first, was it? You, I think you were in three different clubs in, yeah. in a short space <laughs> of time because of that kind of, maybe that shaky league structure, I guess, at the time. Tell yeah. us a bit about that. What did you learn from that experience? I experienced a lot in that time. Um, like you said, I was... 22, 20, just turning 23 and had a, a kind of up and down roller coaster in my first club, Sky Blue. And that's just in general in terms of, you know, we're new, we're, we're newly professional. We had never played together before. We're internationals from all over the world and we're trying to gel quickly, win things. And we weren't winning at the beginning. We struggled a bit. Um, and then we had managerial turnovers and, and then I got traded at the back of 2009 and I'd done my ACL. So I was coming back um, from an injury, a long-term injury, recovering as well. Um, and I literally, you know, within two or three days, I was in New Jersey and then, and then I was in St. Louis, Missouri, you know, and I had to adapt again and transition. And of course, in those moments, you know, I had a total of um, two, two trades from uh, St. Louis to Chicago, then to Washington. and. Um, you know, there's so many thoughts that go through your head. You know, am I going to perform at my best? Am I going to fit into this team style of playing? Will the players respect me? Will I find my form again, get back to the levels I was before my injury? So I was dealing with all of those things whilst being at a new club, a new city, transitioning into life without the, the support network I'd built, friends from my previous club, and my support network that were home in the UK. So I had to deal with all of that at the same time. And that was really challenging. But when I look back and I reflect, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, it, there were some difficult moments, but the best thing that, that happened to me is is going through it, living it and and surviving. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and teaching myself, I have the resilience tools to cope. And, and get through it yeah of course and like to think what you went on and did after that because um, <laughs> then you were you went over to Sweden but before that 2012 London 2012 yeah. another thing that not many um, football players in England or you know United Kingdom will get to experience so that's another elite group you're <laughs> in you know what was London 2012 like? Oh it's just incredible honestly it was just amazing like I think the arms of you know the hairs on my arms just stand up thinking about it that moment that we was at the Millennium Stadium opening up the, the competition and kicking off the tournament. Like none of us could have envisioned being there in that moment in front of a home nation crowd and, and all the supporters and all the noise and all the energy. Um, we'd never seen it before. We hadn't seen a, a football team at the Olympics. So we were the first to do it. And for us, that's a, another historic moment for the women's game. Um but it was a, a fantastic opportunity as well to experience it and live the kind of Olympic dream, the Olympic lifestyle, being around all these elite athletes from all different disciplines. And I got to see and understand, wow, like other athletes' journeys, you know, and, and all the sacrifices and commitments they'd made to just, just get to an Olympics. Um, so for me, that was was an unbelievable experience. Yeah, I've spoken to a few other footballers who were in that team and that is always one of the the kind of highlights in their career. Um, 
I remember we went to a couple of football games. This is when we decided to kick off Girls on the Ball was back at, from London yeah, yeah. 2012. <laughs> and um, it was Team GB against Brazil at Wembley. Yeah. 70,000 people. I can still remember that roar when Steph scored. Scored, yeah. yeah. Um, those moments must, ju- I mean, I know there's a lot of these moments in your career, but they must really stick with you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even just to play at Wembley, like I remember being on my estate playing games called Wembley. Do you know what I mean? With kids my age and being like, oh, we're going to Wembley. Let's play 2v2, 1v1, all this stuff. So to actually be there and play in front of that number of people where you can't even hear yourself, you know, you can't even hear your teammate and what they're saying to you is just, unbelievable it's so hard to even describe and obviously when Steph scored it just was electric you know I remember Kaz Carney nutmegging a Brazilian player and everyone just go whoa my god you know just unbelievable um, experience and feeling but um, yeah it's just it was everything it was the games you know walk, walk you know, driving up to Wembley getting off the bus but it was all everything around it too in the village like bumping into some of our own idols, you know, some of our own heroes and other sports being like, what am I doing here? You know, <laughs> kind of feeling is a bit surreal. And the slogan I remember was to inspire a generation. And I feel like a lot of people point to the London Olympics as as one of the, the moments in the history of women's football that really propelled it forward. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for me, absolutely. I think um, it was it was on prime time TV as well. You know, we have to remember where the game had been prior to that we wasn't having the kind of visibility um, of the women's game at that level so to have it where everyone and anyone can watch it football fan or not it is massive because it gave an opportunity for young girls and boys to to, to witness it and hopefully to feel inspired to go on and, and play football and I think if you look at the growth over the last several years you can really see the impact it's had on the women's game. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Looking now back to your time in Sweden, um, you played with Gothenburg and Rosengard, right? Yeah. Um, now, obviously, this this season we've talked a lot about your title contenders, your Chelsea's, your Arsenal, the introduction of Jonas Eideval. Yeah. Um, you experienced, you were under him at Rosengard, right? What yeah. was what was he like there? Yeah, I always say Jonas was such a character at Rosengard. Obviously, he recruited me from Gothenburg um, along with a RGM Erling Nilsson to to Rosengard, and you know, at the time, he was a young coach. And I think um, his energy and his enthusiasm really came across to me and the team. Um, and he was so good at telling you, you know, this is how I, where I see you fitting in and what I think you can do in this team. And 
really um, empowering you to believe in your abilities and what you could contribute to the team. Um, but most importantly, I always remember his pre-game talks because they were always so like inspirational or moving or, you know, and it'd be things that he had, you know, he's, he loves to pick things from other sports and different types of messaging. And he showed us a basketball one and, you know, like an American basketball one. And I just remember like everyone was like, yeah, yeah, like, let's go, like pumped up, you know, to go and play, play our match. And, and that's the sort of thing he, he had the ability to just kind of stir that emotion within the team in a really positive adrenaline boosting way that made us ready and prepared to go and play. And you also spent time under Emma Hayes um, at Chelsea. And I think she did something similar. I remember her talking about having, you know, showing the players some inspirational, something from might've been um, mixed martial arts or something like that. MMA. I think it was something like that, that she showed them, which is interesting because the two of them have quite a, have (laughs) created a bit of a dynamic between them this season. (laughs) What was she like in comparison? Yeah, no, I I think that's probably why they're at the top of their game as coaches. You know, they both um, are always, I think, learning as well and taking things that they think will improve their teams, Those finding those fine margins. And they're both in tune to the psychological parts. Emma's really into this mental part of um, developing her players. And I think the time she was with us, obviously, at Arsenal, she just had this, like, energy and aura about her and this passion you know she's a passionate um football coach football fan as well but she she really gets that across and she's always been able to give us the detail we needed individually or collectively and 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 picking things from a martial arts for example um finding new ways to motivate and inspire us is one of her key strengths um you touched there on your time at uh, in Sweden and how you felt you were able to do more within the community. Um, do you feel that that's maybe, is that one of the things that kind of inspired you or made you realise, you know, find your voice and realise the, the platform that you had? Because I know you spoke to a good friend of mine, Susie Rack, yeah. last year about, uh, you, you kind of shunned the activist kind of <laughs> title, yeah. um, but it was more about finding your voice and actually realizing you have you know a powerful platform to speak from did it was that the kind of seed planted there in Sweden yeah I think in Sweden it it just gave me um an extra boost or confidence to know that I can do it you know and that maybe people will listen or they will tune in and I, I I always I think football in general opened up so many doors for me you know and allowed me to experience the world as well so I learned a lot from lots of people and cultures and and teammates that I've played with and their stories you know their stories aren't the same as mine but they had similar or different challenges and they also had issues that needed to be spoken about and addressed and I think it just allowed me to feel and find that self-esteem and confidence to speak up um, on on certain things as well because I've always said to be a female playing sport is a kind of act of activism anyway. You know, we already broke so many pillars by by doing that and, and, and sort of being defiant in that sense um, and saying we deserve to have the opportunities and play. Um, so it's no different. And I don't think of myself as a social activist, but I just want to make sure that my values come across and that my values are lending... Um, you know, my support to, to other people that are voiceless and are are being impacted in different ways negatively, ultimately. 
And I know you studied politics, right? Um, yeah. Did did that come from? Did you always have the interest in in making a, a difference socially, or did it kind of the politics studying politics kind of influence <laughs> that? No, I think I, you know, I, I I feel that politics and and social issues are around us all the time. And when you're young, you're just living in it. You don't necessarily understand what that is. And when you get older, you reflect upon maybe your your childhood or your education or your family's education and all these things. And that made me think more consciously about the world that I'm living in and the world that other people are living in that I won't experience either. And I just think politics is was an interest for me because I wanted to understand the world I live in better. I wanted to know why certain things happen, why certain institutions are like this and why we as a society act a certain way or do certain, you know, behaviours. Um, and ultimately, by understanding and, and gaining more knowledge, I feel that I'm able to therefore talk about these things a bit more confidently and also support people um, with the right information, you know, and get the right information out there, really, because, you know, we won't always agree on everything. And I know that, but it's about opening up the discussion and making sure that people feel safe to have those discussions um, and that they will be heard as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, now that you have hung up your football boots, is that something you would like to continue doing? Absolutely. I think it's it's important, you know, that young girls especially see people that will represent them and, and represent the needs that they have moving forward because we're still fighting for a lot of things still till still to this day, you know, for equality, for women in lots of industries when it comes to money and work life balance and you know, raising families and lots and lots of different in, um, issues. So I don't think I'll stop until, <laughs> you know, I'm satisfied that that we're all collectively pulling in the right direction ultimately and that everyone, everyone can be a, a social activist. I feel like we see more of that in the women's game. I think we see more players willing to use their platforms to speak about social issues and social injustices. Um, what would you say to maybe some of the younger players coming into the game or even those that are in the game now kind of considering stepping up? Yeah, I think that, that young players, you know, just know that their voice is important. It's important that we hear their messages as well. They're living in this current time of this generation. So things that impacted me won't necessarily be the same for them. Um, but we need to know about those things as well. And that, you know, it only takes one person to start a movement. You know, they speak up, there's guaranteed to be people behind them that are going to support them, you know, and help them on that journey. Um, and just that, you know, ultimately, we all got to try and cultivate the environments that we want to work and live within, you know, and that doesn't happen with one person, that happens with everyone. And sometimes within your environment, you have to be a, a sort of, I call it a positive agitator, where you, you go, you know what, Ugh, I'm not so sure about that language or not so sure about that behavior and dare dare to be brave enough to challenge it and and that's the hardest thing but you know what you leave behind in terms of impact and improving a space is is goes beyond goes beyond now it's going to help generations to come yeah i love that and i think if you have half the impact you've had while well, while playing football when now that you've hung up your boots i mean you'll still be doing amazing things i've no doubt you're going to continue to inspire Moving on now to the Euros, probably one of the, another milestone, another big moment in, in terms of the history of women's football. It feels like every tournament is 
bigger <laughs> and better. Um, probably the hardest Euros to call. Would Would you think that's fair? Yeah, I would. I would say that is that is fair. But I've also said that I think England has a really good chance as well. You know, it being a home Euros in front of our supporters and everyone galvanised from the men's Euros that we had, you know, which felt like a home Euros too, um, here is going to be huge. And and when you look at the talent in Europe, it's, it's phenomenal. So the level of competition we know is going to be incredible. But I think that the depth of this squad is 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 you know, is is excellent. And the England women's team, they've been to, what, three consecutive semifinals. I think we've got to have some belief that we can make a finals, you know, with with this squad. Especially with someone like Serena Wiegmann at the helm. A, a rare, you know, a rare thing for a coach to say that they'll have coached two home Euros, but she did it in the <laughs> Netherlands and won it. Yeah. Do you think that kind of winning mentality is something that maybe, is that kind of the missing piece of the puzzle? Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um, she has experience of of what it is to lead a team to, to to winning and what it takes and the processes you need around the team to get everyone in the right you know mindset and and she'll know how best to tinker with her squad I think and and make the right decisions because ultimately it's about making the right decisions in pinnacle moments um so I think if you look at the way the England team have been playing of late, I personally enjoy the fact that they play a more patient game. They are, you know, really comfortable in possession now. They're also comfortable being out of possession, but feeling like we have control. And that's an important thing mentally to have. And I think she's she would have definitely instilled that within uh, the squad of players. Yeah, absolutely. And other than England... You know, we've talked a lot on this this show about the different players that you're going to get to see um, during the Euros and the yeah. different teams. What teams and what players would you tell people to look out for this summer? Well, most definitely everyone's got an eye on Spain, I think, because of, just because of what we've seen domestically in terms of Barcelona and Real Madrid and teams like Atletico and just the phenomenal talents they have in their team and a number of those players obviously play for the Spanish national team with Pateas and Bonmati and Mapi Leon, you know, just unbelievable players um, with such quality on the ball. It's attractive to look at, you know, to watch. It's exciting. Um, so everyone for sure will be watching, I think, Spain and you're going to be looking at teams like you can't ignore the Dutch, you know, they've won the tournament before. Um, they also have a number of talents, some of which we have in our own league, which is great, like Gronen and, you know, you got Lika Martins, another one at Barca, Van der Sanden at Wolfsburg. Um, so, you know, a, another team that I think have experience of tournament football and what it takes to get to a final. Um, and then the French as well, you know, exciting players. I mean, you've got someone like Wendy Reynard as a centre-back that scores so many goals it's crazy I know she especially against well, England <laughs> yeah she may as well be a forward you know <laughs> like it's it's insane so you got to stop that threat you know you've got La Sommer you've got Henri all these players Marjorie is it, it's going to be incredible I'm like I'm excited I'm buzzing to watch these players go toe to toe with each other two final questions for you firstly who are your dark horse for the tournament ooh dark horses 
I don't even want to call them dark horses, but Sweden. You know, I think Sweden have shown a good level of consistency throughout a number of tournaments. Um, and they just seem such a solid outfit back to front, you know, and they 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 always find a way, I think, to 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 win and to compete. Um, and obviously we've been lucky enough to have a number of Swedish players playing in a WSL that we've got to watch week in, week out. And you know they've got leaders in like Magda, um, Ericsson, um, you've got Blackstenius now at Arsenal, Aslani, um, yeah, a number of players to look out for. But um, I think they've got the right blend of young talent and experience as well. Yeah, definitely. And then the obvious question, who's going to win it? England. Come on. <laughs> it's coming home, Come is on. it? <laughs> is it too early? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I genuinely have confidence in this England squad. You know, I, I think, like I've said before, the depth of talent, um, you know, in the squad is, is something to behold. And you've got Hemp, who's been on fire all season. Um, you've got Beth Mead, you know, who's also been outstanding for her club at Arsenal. Leah Williamson, who can play multiple positions. Millie Bright, who I've played with, will run through brick walls for her teammates and, you know, is, is dangerous off of set pieces as well. Um, a number of players I could name, Ella Tood, you know, mm-hmm. Ellen White. This is what we're talking about. There are players now that we're like, you know what, these guys, they've got it. They've got it. They've just got to get all the right components in place. Hopefully everyone's healthy and, and fit come tournament and, and there's no obstacles along the way. Um, but with some good performances, I'm sure I'm sure they can get over the line. And will we be seeing you across some coverage, hopefully? Getting yeah, you. you'll be seeing this mug across TV, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Talking plenty football, um, which my some of my family and friends will be delighted to know that <laughs> I'm not going to chew their ear off about football. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for this, this home Euros. Brilliant. Us too, for sure. Well, I hope you've enjoyed uh, this trip down memory lane as much as I have. Um, and no doubt <laughs> our listeners will. Um, and yeah, we'll be keeping an eye out for you in the summertime. So thanks so much for popping into the studio and chatting to us today. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Rachel. Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 